Hey, what's going on, guys? Big Duke here, one-third member of the legendary group, The Hogsman. And you know what's really burning my bacon right now? And this is no disrespect, but the sheer fact that tonight's guest, once again, is Yuma. I mean, this guy gets a second go-around when, when I haven't even been on it one time yet? That's some bullshit. Again, no disrespect. I mean, I got plenty of stories. I could tell stories for days. How about... How about this story? How about the time where I was supposed to be a Doritos bag getting crushed by Mark Henry for a SummerSlam promo? Yeah, that was supposed to happen. We filmed it, but it never hit the air. I mean, I got stories for days, guys. But we'll have to listen to some more of Yuma. He's my best friend, and I love you, buddy. Time for the podcast. this very podcast because you're looking at the Saitama Saint the Osaka superstar the mad titan of Tokyo the American Kaiju and double your pleasure double your fun because tonight you get two hogsmen for the price of one he's the hombre with no nombre me hermano from another mamo he's the world's greatest rudo That's right, you're listening to two of the three Hogsmen. Big Duke, he couldn't make it this episode. He's going to try and make it next episode. But you are listening to Southern California's Numero Uno Pro Wrestling Theme Podcast. It is May 18th, uh, week nine of the quarantine. I think I'm 15 pounds heavier. Your boy's fat as fuck. Dev, have you dropped on the scale lately? I jumped on the scale. I have gained one pound. You so I'm only down... I'm down 13 now instead of 14. So we're doing all right. I don't know how you did it, but we're back. We're, uh, we're joined again by Hunter Freeman. Hunter Freeman, what are you tipping the scales at? Uh, it's at a <laughs> solid uh, 215 right now, but I will admit uh, the chest hair has grown out and the tan is looking uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty white. Having uh, shaved the chest in a while, having uh, shaved the... Uh, Hit the hit the tanning bed in a while, so looking bad. All right, guys, I think we have this week's hot take. That was Hunter's hot take this week. (laughs) You guys are informative. Go ahead and just take the rest of the night off, Hunter. You're welcome. Uh, Yeah, I'm hairy as fuck. I'm I'm pale as fuck. I'm heavier as fuck. I think I I I started off quarantine. I was probably around two o two, two o three, and stepped on the scale a couple weeks ago. I was two o eight. And then uh, I've been uh, denying it, you know, just jumping on that scale the past couple of weeks because I was like, I don't need that fucking drama in my life. And <laughs> this morning, I uh, I jumped on two fifteen, boys, two fifteen. And uh, so, 
so, it's not for so lack Mike, of exercising. I've been working out. I've been working out. But it's like they say, you can't you can't outwork a bad diet. Go, go Mike, ahead, I want guys. I want to put this into perspective for you. All right, this is this is how you're gonna realize uh, how bad you fucked up. Okay, you have eaten yourself off of an entire brand of WWE programming. <laughs> You, you would no longer qualify for 205 Live, and you're out of the cruiserweight division entirely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was maintaining. <laughs> I was maintaining. And then uh, this quarantine happened, and it was like, you know what? There ain't no fucking shows going on for a while. Let's, let's live life a little bit. You know what it is? First of all, I've basically, I've basically been drinking almost every night. Uh, and two, goddamn Ben and Jerry's ice cream, man. I fucking love ice cream, dude. <laughs> Which one? Which one, Mike? Uh, half baked. That's probably my, my number one. Uh, the milk and cookies is probably number two. Uh, yeah, man, that's, that's just... am I going to have, so listen, I already carry you on the mic. Am I going to have to carry you in the ring when we get back to this too? Bitch, you acting like your cardio's through the roof. I, I've been, I've still I ran three and out. a half miles today. I ran three and a half miles today. That's a cute little jog you went on. Um, oh yeah. All right. I've been working out every day. It's just like I said, man, I don't have my normal routine going on and uh, it just it's 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 caught up to me. But it's OK. Your boy's going to get, uh, you know, he's, he's going to shed this off and uh, and we'll work from there. Twelve ounces at a time, huh? Twelve ounces at a time. <laughs> I actually had a uh, I actually had a pretty uh, long weekend. Uh, my older brother, uh, Dusty, he had a birthday, so I had to go out to his birthday party. Did not want to go, but my wife made me. And it's not because I don't love my older brother. It's because he lives all the way out in Shelter Valley. If you, if you don't know where Shelter Valley is, go to your Google Maps, type in buttfucking Egypt, and whatever pops up, that's where Shelter Valley is. It's, an, it's almost a two-hour drive from my house. It's out in the middle of the desert. And uh, so I had to go out there for a little while. It was fine. It was nice seeing my older brother and family and a few friends that I haven't seen in a while, but... Ah, the drive is just too much, man. I can't. I can't do it. How many people were there? Uh, maybe uh, twenty-five to thirty. Damn! But it, but Come it was, on, bud. Damn! What? It was outdoors, so you fucks. Were you right. six feet apart the whole time? It was outdoors in the fucking desert. Did you piss what, in what the? You did you piss in the? Ba- did you piss in the outdoors, or do you go in this inside to use the restroom? Yeah, dude, I'm from Ramona, California. That's what we do. Is we we piss outdoors. It's not a big deal, man. And by the way, you guys are acting like little bitches right now, fucking with your little ooh separation. Come on, Come on I'm, guys. I'm not. Let's grow I'm proud up a little of you, bit. Mike. I'm proud. I know, of Hunter. That, Hunter, that's because you're from the sticks, kind of just like me. Yeah, that's why I appreciate yeah, that, man. bud. Yeah, bud. But anyways. <laughs> So I went like I went and did that. I went and did that. It was fine. And then uh, Sunday morning, I got woken up to Devin sending me a promo and saying we got to get these promos done. Now <laughs> I will say this, Devin. I will say this. We have a promo for Promo Mania coming up. It should be released this week sometime. Uh, when you told me the concept of your pro- of what you wanted to do with this <laughs> promo, I immediately said I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> it's, it's fucking. <laughs> childish <laughs> but i i woke up to this promo and i was like holy shit devin sparks is the greatest promo guy <laughs> on god's green earth you could you could go head to head with the rock with that promo thank you um yeah the so let's tease a little bit but first of all if you all right anyone listening to the podcast right now uh i believe 
Wednesday is the day, uh, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific is the day that our promo airs um, against Slice Boogie. I think it was announced already, so I can say that. It's the Hogsman against Slice Boogie. Uh, promo Mania. But who gives a fuck? Well, you're hearing it here first. <laughs> go to exclusive. Uh, uh, exclusive. exclusive. <laughs> On Twitter, go to at promo underscore mania 2020. Uh, go to my, at Mike Camden82 and at Devin Sparks because we're going to be posting the shit out of this promo. Uh, one of the funnest promos I've ever done. I think one of the best promos I've ever done. Uh, but you need to go and vote. Otherwise, it means nothing. But this, I, I thought the concept was hilarious. Uh, I guess we're not going to go into details. But yeah, when I came up with this concept, Mike was pretty pissed off about it. He's like, you're not saying that. I'm going to I'm gonna put a disclaimer in there that says I don't support this. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this work, motherfucker. I made it work. Mike loved it. You, Mike made it work. You did. You did, man. You, you came through. You're fucking clutch. Uh, and then I had to I had to do my promo. Mister Fifty Four takes here, banged it out, no problem. <laughs> and the, the uh, biggest issue, Mike, is the biggest issue is we could see the weight gain in it, and we had to do a wide screen, so we had to keep reshooting the promo with a wider screen. We ended up with cinema screen at the end. That's what happened. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to hide it, man. I already admitted. Put some weight on. Well, you, Anyways, look like, you actually look like a wrestler now, so congratulations. Damn. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then later in the day, I had to do a, a podcast with an old friend of mine. His name is uh, Steve, but all the uh, wrestling fans in Southern California would know him as Everett Scott. I did uh, his podcast. It's called The Last Podcast You Would Ever Want to Hear. It's about movies. And we did a ranking of Keanu Reeves movies. Because Keanu Reeves is one of my favorite actors ever. So we did a top 10 list of Keanu Reeves movies. Now, quick question, quick question for uh, Devin. Keanu Reeves, what's his best movie? Uh, well, I haven't seen any of the John Wick stuff. What? Um, you're fucking, you're, you're screwing yourself, dude. I, have, I haven't had a chance. All that stuff came out after the birth of my kid. So it was like, we didn't go to the movies for a long time. Devin um, reiterating, once you have kids, your life is over. That's right, except for promos, they get better. Uh, you gotta learn how to talk to babies. It's like talking to an audience. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, I liked uh, I like Bill and Ted. I'm old school like that. I'll that was on Bill the list. Ted. That yeah, was on the list. Or, uh, or The Matrix, either one of those. That was also on the list, man. Hunter, give me one movie. John Wick. I love the John Wick movies. They, they are, are fantastic. fantastic. They're making yeah, they're good. Four. Fantastic. Yeah, they're good. Ted, now, John Wick you? three is on. John Wick three is on HBO right now. Can I go right into it, or do I need to watch one and two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. Yeah. yeah. Did, uh, okay. Speaking of the John Wick, and this is just me being from the military aspect of it. Did you guys ever see the training that Keanu Reeves did for the John Wick movies? Yeah, it's sick. Oh, dude, fucking phenomenal. Great stuff. Anyway, that's another hot take, guys. Ted, give me a give me your best Keanu Reeves movie. Hands down, it's a Bogus Journey. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is my favorite Keanu Reeves movie of all time. And it's on I, the list. I have it's on the affinity. list, but it's not top. Look at this. It's not top. It's not top. This is on my desk. Every day of my life, you got to really zoom into the corner of this to see my Ted pop vinyl, my namesake. But I think uh, Matrix 2 is pretty fucking incredible as well. The fight sequences that and that are just beyond reproach. I'll give you that one. They're all good picks, man. They're all good picks. 
you guys didn't pick the number one, but you might have to go check out that podcast for uh, to hear what my number one Keanu Reeves movie is. Uh, if anybody has any idea about me, they know exactly which what movie it is already. It's not hard to find. Can I guess here? Go for it. Was it remade? Because I don't want to blow your tease there. Was it remade yeah, in the last decade? I won't, I won't acknowledge that it was remade because that remade was a piece of fucking shit. <laughs> I won't. I won't acknowledge that it was remade. It won't. Uh, you know. No. Well, if that's what it is, then that's you got a really great taste over there, bud. That's what I was right. thinking it was. That's what I was thinking it was. It is. Uh, and then last night I finished off that Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. It's fucking fantastic. It's fan fucking tastic. Any sports fan, if you ever played sports, you understand the the the, the feeling those guys went through multiple multiple times. Man, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you caught it yet, Dev? Haven't caught it. Nope. Okay, I got a question for you. Is there anybody? Michael Jordan was the biggest athlete as far as name brand uh, recognition. You know, back in the '90s, even you know, maybe about into the 2000s a little bit. Is there anybody right now that can even compete with his his uh, celebrity, like the fame he had? I would think uh, if you're going if you're going worldwide, then Ronaldo probably is. See, I understand, uh, I understand that. I understand that because I was thinking about this internationally. Internationally, you might get that mm-hmm. soccer them soccer cats. But you think yeah. really? You think in the U.S. anybody you know the real fan base gives a fuck about Ronaldo? I don't even know who that is. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I know who Jordan is. I know who LeBron is. I don't, I, don't I don't think, but I don't, I don't think, I mean, it can be done again in the future, but I don't know if we'll see that, that level of, of fame in sports ever again, man. I mean, he was huge. The I feel like Griffey, deals. I feel like at the same time Griffey was huge too. Not, 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 no, not, no. no, but listen, I don't know that anyone's been Griffey level huge since Griffey. Uh, in baseball, I, in baseball. Listen, Ken Griffey Jr. was the, he was what every kid wanted to be. He had the backwards hat. He had the greatest swing mm. in the business. He was cool looking, good looking guy. But no, he he no way his his fame. No, I'm saying as far Jordan. as I'm saying I'm saying I think it might be just a product of the time period because if you look at Griffey for baseball, right? So Jordan for sport, Jordan for basketball and sports in general. But for baseball, you had Griffey. And I don't think anyone has touched Griffey since Griffey. I think Bo Jackson touched Griffey. No. What about Derek Not Jeter? I mean, come on. Well, I don't know, on. man. Hold on. Bo Jeter Jackson's N- Nike endorsement, the Bo Nose, that was huge. That was gigantic. Mm. Yeah, he wasn't what? as big as Griffey. Oh, my God. I, I What did Griffey... Okay, in, I'm talking endorsement-wise. I'm talking... You know, baseball-wise, he was fantastic. But you had Bo Jackson, who was dual sports, baseball and football. He had a huge Nike endorsement behind him. They were running let me a ask huge you this. All right, all right. You're getting pretty heated, so let me ask you this. This is pretty plain and simple, right? Who'd he ever beat? <laughs> <laughs> all right. But did, did, Who'd did, he ever Gri- beat? did Griffey have a huge endorsement from, from a shoe company or any kind of like that behind him? I'm pretty sure he had Nike behind him. And I'm pretty he sure he was the sure. I, he was he was the first guy to get. Uh, I think Gatorade was him too. 
And I think he was the first guy to get a, a, a video game under his name. No, so Frank Frank Thomas had a Sega game the same time as Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball came out. Uh, and then there was Tommy Lasorda Baseball, which predates both of those titles. Uh, so gross. That game's that amazing. Count. Tommy Lasorda Baseball might be the greatest Sega game ever, but now we're really in the weeds here, boys. Uh, yeah, anyways. By, I- but By the way, that was Producer Ted. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Ted. Hey, guys. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, you watch the old footage of this Michael Jordan documentary and you know, he's getting hounded from the second he steps out of his hotel room to the bus off the bus to the arena, out of the arena, back onto the bus, back to the hotel. He is hounded. And I'm not talking about like a few people coming up and asking for his autograph. I'm talking about hordes of people, like large groups of people. They have to bring an extra security for him. This is why I think it was something in the water in that time period, because you look at all the stars in the world at that time. Look at Michael Jackson. That was the same thing for Michael Jackson. Same same period of time. uh, Same crowd reaction. Now, I don't know if it was just because you had one person dominating every newspaper, right? Because whatever the big story was, the local newspaper had to cover it. So if it was Jordan, well, Jordan's going to be covered across the whole country. If it was Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson get covered across the whole country. If your if your sports team sucks, you're going to tell they're going to tell you about Jordan, right? Um, so I wonder if it was something to do with the time period and how news traveled back then. I, I think so also because now look at the accessibility you have to celebrities, social media. You know, Jordan. You only saw Jordan on ESPN or on uh, commercials or uh, you know on the sports uh, sports channels. Um, so I, I, I think it has to do with like just accessibility now. We, we live in a time frame where, you know, you have Instagram models that are more popular than like, than like a lot of some athletes, which is ridiculous. I remember one night I was, uh, I was, in, the, uh, I was in the nightclub and I was talking to one of my, guy, uh, my, my friends that worked there. And he's like, oh, yeah, this girl over here, I got my picture with her. I'm like, who is she? And he's like, it's uh, some kind of Instagram fitness model. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what is she fucking? Who, who the fuck is she ever beat, Dev? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to that question. <laughs> but anyways, that's it now, though, right? That's what people want to be. What do you want to be? Uh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be. You want to be a, a YouTube, a YouTube star. Jesus, kid. it's it's, it's kind of disgusting, man. I fucking hate it. But uh, anyway, enjoy anyways, the podcast where it's just our talking heads. I want follows. <laughs> I want followers on my Instagram. So please go ahead and follow that. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, what else is up, Dev? What do you want to talk about? Uh, that's it, man. I don't have anything else to talk about. Uh, if if uh, if our boy Hunter doesn't either, I think we go ahead and we we go into uh, the only person we've ever interviewed twice on this show. I, I will do that. You want to talk about something real quick, though? You want to know why I got to lose this fucking fifteen pounds in in, in pretty short amount of time, but I can do it because I'm fucking the focused. May Young Classic's coming up, and you want May Young Classic? May Young Classic. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we uh, we have a a booking, my friend. We oh, have that's a booking right. On July, yeah. uh, June sixth at BNS yeah. Brewery out in Santee, Level Up Pro Wrestling is going to throw a uh, a show for uh, first responders. Am I okay? What what the fuck are you shaking your fucking head about, Hunter? Because I'm on it too. I got to lose weight and shave and tan up. And oh shit. man, I got I got to get, gotta get, get my, my body back, back together. I got to be a body you're, guy again. You are you are. You're already a bodyguard, Devin. Just I know, but that's what I lost so much weight during the quarantine. I got to put it back on. But anyway, so we're gonna go do that. That's uh, I'm actually surprised, man. We're gonna be back in the ring working. Who our opponents are yet? Uh, the card has not been released yet, but we're booked, kid. 
TBD. Yeah, TBD. I'm excited, man. It's nice to know that we're uh, we're gonna get back in the ring and start start working again. You think you're gonna feel some of the effects of the quarantine? Ring shape, di- ring cardio different from regular cardio, Mike? Yeah, 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 yeah of, of course. course, of course. Me, me too. <clears throat> I've been all right. I've been doing I've been doing sprints and a ton of calisthenics. I'll I'll be the only one who looks like a wrestler in that ring. I'm bodied up. I'm actually gonna throw some I'm gonna throw some uh, oil on so I sparkle and glisten for the people online. It'll be pretty, man. I'm I a pretty guy wait. already. I can't wait for Devin. <laughs> I'm gonna refuse to tag out to Devin and just watch him blow the fuck up. <laughs> I'll just promo on the outside. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> that actually reminds me. I forget who I wrestled. Um, I forget who I, I don't know if it was on Hollywood or where it was, but uh, someone I, that I wrestled oiled up for the first time ever for our match, and they didn't say anything about it, and blew like six spots because they couldn't get a grip. They were slipping and sliding everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? They're like, sorry, that was my first time. That was my first time I, I ever oiled up. I'm like, why did you bother? What was Dude, the point? Can I, can I tell you about like blowing your, like mm. you, in the ring, you got to pace yourself, right? Uh, understand where your cardio's at. And I was at the new, I, I went, I went to a new Japan uh, tryout up in the, at the LA dojo. And it was a pretty interesting tryout. It didn't last very long. I showed up to do a bunch, hundreds of squats uh, over probably about 150 Hindu push-ups, And then they broke us up into matches and they told you, okay, hey, you're going to, uh, you know, here's the singles matches, blah, blah, blah. I was involved in a tag match. So, and there was guys from all over the place. There was a cat from England there. And he was yoked up and he ended up being my tag partner uh, for the match. And we went up against one of the kids from MPW. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. And then also this tall cat, big dude from... Um, from New York, he was a football player. I think he played like somewhere in Connecticut, some some college in Connecticut. But he was big dude. He was probably about six five, six uh, six six, big guy. But he was only seven months deep, and nice guy though. I was talking to him prior to uh, the tryout, and uh, he was a nice guy. But he was very green. So I'm like, sick dude. I'll work with you. Like I, I know how to I know how to do this match. So we start the match, and we. Uh, we're, we're working and everybody else, everybody else in the, in the, in the tryout had been like almost shoot wrestling in the ring. Literally like they're, they're not even really doing pro professional wrestling. They're doing more like collegiate and amateur style wrestling. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to try and put on a professional wrestling show. So I'm working with this guy and you know, we're doing the stuff. We're doing the heat. Uh, my tag partner, and I are, are the heels and you know, we're, we're putting on the heat and whenever I'm putting on the heat, I'm being very professional wrestling about it. My tag partner would go in there and shoot and he blew his ass up sky <laughs> fucking high. So he comes over and tags me. And I remember this, uh, I go in, I think I did a body slam to, uh, the, the kid from MPW and I hit a leg drop and I walk over, uh, and I go to tag out and the guy is doubled over on the apron <laughs> and he's refusing to tag. He's re- refusing to tag in and he goes, hold on, man, hold on. And I'm looking at him like, yo dog, you got Shibata looking at you right now. You got Rocky Romero. <laughs> this is not the place that you want to fucking blow up at. 
anyways, I, I, I was like, holy crap, dude, that's the importance of, uh, you know, in-ring cardio is, is, is in-ring cardio and you have to understand how to pace yourself. And I, I, I will never forget that this kid flew all the way from England. Good looking dude. He was, he looked like a, he was built like a, a brick shithouse, but his cardio was shot. And I could not believe that he refused to tag in and he was doubled over on the apron. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that, Devin, in that big of a, on that big of a, a, a platform, you know what? That's a tryout for New Japan Pro Wrestling, the number two professional wrestling company in the world. Am I correct on that? Yeah, number number two. I don't know where AEW lies right now. Are they number two or are they? I'm still gonna a go hot, New, a New hot Japan. three, two A. Are they two A, two B, something like that? I mean, in the world, you got to think New Japan, right? Maybe in the U.S., AEW's got to be the number two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but anyways, I, I haven't seen it. It's, it was crazy, it. man. It blew my mind. I, I saw a guy uh, miss his headbutt at Cork and Hall, though. So I don't know. <laughs> Huge pop. Huge pop. <laughs> All right, so. Essay. You want to bring on our guest? Uh, this is this is uh, Yuma strikes back, and uh, he 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 has way too much to say. We could not confine it to one episode. We had to make it two episodes. It might be a fucking trilogy for all I know. I think it will be. I do. Here's the thing: is I actually had to make notes for this one because there were things I wanted him to talk about that we didn't even come close to. Stories that I know about that I thought are hilarious that we're missing. So I'm hoping to cover some of those this time. And then yeah, I think this might be a three-parter. All right, excellent. Let's uh, let's go on a little break. Let's bring back. Uh, let's come back with uh, our guest, Yuma. Ladies, gentlemen, has the quarantine 15 hit you hard? You've been drinking every night. You're drinking them heavy IPAs. Getting fat as fuck. Well, let me let me introduce you to something new. Ten Barrel Brewing Pub Beer. It's a good lager. It's good, cheap, fun beer. Dev, tell them all about it. Well, as you know, Mike's put on quite a bit of weight, and I haven't. How have I done it? Easy. Pub beer. Doesn't add the weight like those IPAs that Mike was saying. And unfortunately for him, he drinks eight at a time. So that's where the problem comes in. You got you to gotta pace yourself one to two at a time, maybe three. Get a whole six-pack, but not eight, Mike. That's the issue for you. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, Go get yourself some pub beer, cheap fun beer, a proud sponsor of the Hogs and Podcasts. Once again, cheap fun beer, what's up? All right, we're back, and we have uh, our guest with us. He was so good the first time. The fans demanded that he comes back. Devin Sparks, this is your booking. You did a great job. Let's bring him back properly. All right, you know him from wrestling absolutely everywhere. Uh, this guy got stenalized out of a ring uh, into a bunch of people that were concerned for his life. Uh, and last time we didn't actually cover it that much because I was saying something, and this is video, and so he made a, a face at something I said previously. But he, you also know him from uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Guy wrestled there for like 10 years and then also pro- helped produce and write and book and all types of things, man. So um, he is heavily involved in anything you've ever seen in Southern California and also uh, nationwide and internationally. He is Yuma. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. What up, SA? I appreciate all the kind words, too. It's, it's well, very nice of you guys. Man, we went over now, so be- much last episode. <laughs> 
that and there's still so much more to go over, man. So Dev, I know you got you some questions. You guys are in control this up. time. You guys are in control. <laughs> I'm gonna let you do your thing, and I'm just I'll answer and then move on. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. So there's a couple things I want to talk about first because I just find them extremely interesting. And the first times I heard them, I popped hard. So I was like, all right, let's let's make sure that before we go off on anything else, we cover a couple things. Um, of everyone on this conversation, you're the only one who has beat an Olympic gold medalist. And I happen to be wearing the shirt he gave me that day. <laughs> Yuma, Yuma, That's do me a favor. Awesome. Tell us about Angle doing the J-O-B for you. Did you apologize <laughs> him? Did you apologize to him before the match? So uh, How'd that go? So what happened was this was like a year after I did TNA. Um, uh, one Direction was doing a big live stream on YouTube. It was like kind of one of the first of its kind. And um, one of the guys in One Direction is like a huge wrestling fan. And so they reached out to TNA to be a part of it. And so basically what they wanted to do is have uh, Liam Payne from One Direction wrestle someone from TNA. But, and like, you know, usually for stuff like this, they send like, you know, mid-level guys. Like, you don't, you don't get your, your best. But this was like a really big deal. It had Simon Cowell. It had Kermit the Frog at it. I didn't get to meet him. They told me no. Um, <laughs> it, had like, it had like Celine Dion. Like, it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. So they got Kurt for it. And uh, they needed someone small that was similar in frame to Liam Payne. And it was going to be TJ Perkins. And then he wasn't able to do it. And Peter Avalon, Norv Furnham at the time, happened to be with near Bob Ryder. Or Bob Ryder emailed him and was like, hey, do you know anybody small in Southern California? And he was like, yeah, Yuma, you guys already used him. And they're like, oh, okay, perfect. And that was it. And then um, – you know, so day of, I go there and I'm just like nervous as hell. I'm at the YouTube studios and in walks Kurt and he just goes right up to me and he was just like, hey, how you doing, bud? Like totally normal. I was just like, my heart was beating all fast. And then um, he's like, all right, I'm going to see what they want us to actually do. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so he walks away and then the gear lady, Jolene, who makes like some of the best gear, like think of the best gear you've ever seen in TNA. That was Jolene, and she made an outfit that I got to wear. And they emailed me the day before, like, hey, what size shoe are you? And I'm notorious for having the tiniest feet in pro wrestling. <laughs> and I almost wanted to email back and be like, uh, nah, don't worry about it. But they're like, they're like, what size pants do you wear? Because they needed to kind of roughly gauge the gear. They were just whipping it up like really fast, like a day. And they were like, what size shoe do you wear? So I, I told them, we don't need to say it on here. But I get there, and the outfit fits perfect. Like, it was dope. It was super cool. Like, had a lucha mask and a completely covered so we could just switch bodies for the wrestling part, uh, me and the guy from One Direction. And then, but the shoes were these gorgeous, brand-new, um, all-black with, like, light gold-trimmed uh, Dan Gable Asics. But they didn't ask me my if they would have told me they were going to be Asics. Of course I know my size in Asics. I'm a pro wrestler. Like, I've... Everyone's trained in those or worked in them. And then they were too small and they hurt my feet so badly. So I'm suffering, right? And then basically they get us out there um, and we talk and Kurt was like, okay, well, you know, obviously they're going to have, they're going to have the, the boy band kid go up. So what's your finish? And I was like, I was like, what? Kurt Angle just asked me what my finish is because I'm beating him. So I'm losing my mind because, like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, they're, like, 
Muppets are moving by. Like we're in this green room. It was, it was just the craziest day. And Kurt's like the nicest dude. And he's just hanging out with me. We spent like eight hours together, just me and him just hanging out between the green room, going to the little area, going back and forth. So we go out there, right? We go outside to the ring. I'm in the gear, except the mask. And we call this sick ass match. They said our segment was like eight minutes. So we called like five, six minute match. And we were like practicing stuff. And he was like, he said, we're just going to have you do everything uh, me and Ray did. You remember me and him at SummerSlam? And I was like, oh, Tiger. No, but I'm, like legit, my answer was like, of, of course. Uh, so like, I'm, dude, I'm doing like the, the arm drag out of the angle slam. You know, mm. like we're doing all this dope stuff. And then. Uh, you got a pay-per-view match in front of these One Direction fans? No, no, it got taken away from me. Oh, they see us doing that, and then one of the production people freaked out because uh, he was like doing something, and then he like swung for a clothesline. He's like, "That's where I'll cut you off, and we'll slow it down a little bit because we're gonna want to breathe." And I was like, "I was like, oh, cool, this is so cool." And they're like, "Wait, wait, 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 hold on, Kurt, you're not gonna hit him, are you?" <laughs> and then Kurt was like, "Of course I am. It's we're wrestling. I'm gonna." I'm going to clothesline him in the neck. And I was just like, yeah, he's going to clothesline me in the neck. And then <laughs> they're like, don't run on. this for me. Dude, they were like, we got to figure this out because if if he hits Liam, because the girls are going to think it's Liam, it's especially the people at home, you know, because there was a live audience and then there was 800,000 uh, people watching at home. It was like, a, it was, it was doing great. The whole day had solid numbers. And then, so they went over and talked to Kurt and talked to like the TNA people. And then they're like, okay, we have to change it because we don't want him, Liam getting hurt. It's going to make the girls cry. Like they're <laughs> like legit. They're like, it's going to, it's going to ruin the day if they see Liam get hit. So we had to come up with this thing where basically I just kind of wrestled around him, did a couple things. He worked me back to the corner and like we did some stuff. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't the six minute literal dream match that we had called wow. and um and he had me getting all my shit in plus ray's shit he's like oh he's like, can you can you, he asked me he's like can you 619 and i'll catch you into an ankle lock and i was just like today yeah like, Fuck yeah. So we, but we do it and it's fun and like he's like the strongest dude ever like we did like a whip reverse with an up and over and like if you watch the footage like i almost don't make it i almost like bret hart the buckle <laughs> that dude was so strong and like he and he and he was playing like we we're playing because like they had liam in the ring with no mask on talking about how he was going to wrestle kurt and there was girls right there and i was under the ring and there was girls on an l shape of there was some on this side and then some on this side and like four on this side like very few and this is where i am under the corner so i'm under a corner they do the thing and then they interview two of the other members to pull all the girls attention when that happens liam gets out of the ring to tie his shoes and put his mask on and we switch. So we do it in front of people and they still didn't realize what happened. It was the craziest thing ever. It was like <laughs> a, a carny switch in front of a live crowd that worked. I had no idea it wasn't Liam. And I did all this telltale stuff, dude. I was like feeling the ring. I was jumping, kind of shaking the ropes like every guest ever has ever done. And and it went great, bro. And like when I explained the sex factor to him in the in the back, he thought it sounded. He's like, I never heard of that. And I was just like, yes. But then I was also like, oh wait, he's never heard of it. So he probably thinks I came up with some dumb indie bullshit. And I just kept explaining it like an X factor to him, and just like I just we kept practicing it. And we get out there, we do it. I beat him one, two, three, and I start you know jumping around like a celeb. They cut away, we leave. 
we get to the back, and the first thing he says to me was, uh, man, I wish I understood your finish better. I would have spiked that shit. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, it was one of the coolest days of my life. Kurt was like the nicest dude ever, but the best thing he said to me was earlier in the day, we had talked just a little bit. He came up to me, and he sat right next to me on the couch, and he said, you must be really fucking good if they're putting you with me. And I was just like, like, oh, like, he just put himself, like, on at the tip top of the world. But he also said that these people at this major, major wrestling company think that highly of me. I don't know if it's true, but it felt really fucking good. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I was, I was actually kind of surprised when they took all that stuff away from you that you're like, all right, Kurt, this is my squash now. <laughs> yeah, dude, legit. Like, I ate him up. I ate him up. I did an up and over. I did a Rana. I did a couple arm drags and then I kicked him and spiked him. Like that's it. I squashed him. I'm surprised you do you're like you're like you're going down uh via the sharpshooter and I'm gonna cinch it in and you're gonna hang in that thing for two seconds before you tap. That's it. I was I, dude, I was I wanted there were so many things we we were gonna do and then like he was joking about funny shit too. Like he's like, Hey, do you think do you think we'd get heat if we went up top, belly to belly off the top? And I was just like <laughs> whatever. Anything. <laughs> Throw me on the cement. Angle slam me on the parking lot. I don't care. <laughs> Bro, that's awesome. That's you insane. Uh, you should have been like, Kurt, you get a uh, a schoolboy. Don't try any shit. Yeah, you get, you, I'll let you grab a roll-up on me, but wait for me to call it, all right, kid? <laughs> wait for me to Let me feel it out. I'll tell you when. Yeah, I'll feel it. I'll be listening to the uh, 700 teenage girls that are just screaming nothing at all they were just screaming just noise just listen just listen That's to me in there kid you ever had just listen to me in there i'll guide you yeah yeah listen to me out there i can't i can't hear over these girls shrieking it was nice slow, cool slow, <laughs> slow it down kirk he almost killed me on a whip to the corner like imagine if i really made it mad hey, so uh, if anyone wants kurt who, who broke you in kid <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to look this up, what's it called? Where they we're on YouTube? If they're gonna Google um, it, it was or called. It. it was called One D Day, and it was in 2013. And the so uh, one more funny part of this: the official footage they removed it. They had put it up in one large chunk what? for the live stream, and then they took it down and put it up in trimmed segments. You know, like a lot of stuff. And my official, like from their official channel, it got pulled down. Because people were fighting and like threatening each other's lives in the comments on whether or not it was really Liam. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm telling you, like people were zooming in. They were putting photos. They were comparing like our butts and like our junk, and like they're like, "Oh no!" And like I was stoked because they were like really putting me over. They're like, "No, no, no." There's like there's quite a difference. Like one of them, the the one that wrestled was way more muscular and. Had a way, way, way more perk butt. And I was like, okay, cool. And then, then the next <laughs> oh. comment was like, you can tell which one was Liam because he had bigger, like a bigger dick. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but dude, they were like mad. Like people were like, no, Liam would never deceive us like this. He would not put someone in there. He's a real soccer player. There it is. Yo, uh, Dev. A little bit of it right there. Devin, remember our uh, mm. our discussion earlier about like that that much of uh, fame and celebrity. Like, if anybody will ever touch Michael Jordan again, those those One Direction, oh yeah, big time, man. So like, that's probably the closest you'll you'll ever get to that kind of celebrity. Those kids are vicious. K and like like K-pop fans, like their fans yeah. are fucking crazy too, dude. It's mm -hmm. insane. 
So they took that shit down. I mean, it's been reposted since, you know, from like other people. And like I think Ted found it, but but uh but yeah, it was crazy. They had to remove it because of the fighting in the comments. Yeah, it looks like so, uh, Dev. So Yuma, if, um, if you if you how? Google One D Day 2013 Wrestling, you'll find it. There you go. Thank you. Now people okay. can find my sweet squash on Kurt Angle. You know, no big. <laughs> I, I was gonna say um, after watching your match with Kurt, like the the girls live, um, and seeing your shoe size, how low do you think Liam's rat total that night was at his trailer? Oh, dude! <laughs> hey, you know what was really whack? It was really really whack. Uh, <laughs> Because he, he came right to the back after that, and we were cool, and he was just like, hey, um, you know, I want to keep my outfit. This is, like, one of the coolest things I've ever done. And I was like, oh, that's dope, yeah. They said I could keep mine, too. And he was like, no, uh, we're going to auction that one for charity. <laughs> <laughs> so someone thinks they have his nut sweat when they really have mine. Oh, that's wow. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious you talk that's about disgusting ooh. yeah I, he, he dude, would never deceive us it's not really my nut much, sweat kid <laughs> by the way how much how much did they auction off that gear for because some poor son of a bitch or girl is walking around thinking they, they probably spent a ton it got mom or dad to buy that fucking thing it, it did have his autograph he autographed mine um so, I mean, it, it does still have that real value, but honestly, it was nice-ass gear, bro. It was some, like, sweet Sabu pants and these clean kick pads and, like, a top. <laughs> like, I, I was going to keep it, and I was actually going to continue wrestling in it for a while in the bottom Whoa. part because they were, like, they were Sabu pants, but not really. Like, I don't know. It was great. I loved it. I wish I got to keep it. That's awesome. I got, yeah, I got not- the shoes that don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out because I really want to see it now. Yeah, um, it's interesting. <laughs> But uh, outside of that, now you you worked with another. Now this is a long time ago, so this was this was back in the day. But I don't remember the the specifics of it. But didn't you do? Uh, didn't you didn't you work with Kane for a little bit? Oh, I got to spend an entire day with Kane. <laughs> um, so when WW when SmackDown was moving to Sci-Fi from CW, they were doing a big ad campaign, and they needed people to do wire work for a commercial. Uh, with other wrestlers. So I got hit up. It was me, uh, Joey, Joey, me, uh, Ryan Taylor, and Scorpio Sky. We went and did a SmackDown commercial with Jack Swagger, Cody Rhodes, Kofi Kingston, and uh, Rey Mysterio. And so they used us for that. It was really fun. Um, I got press slammed by Jack Swagger in that one. And then, and it was in like the SmackDown opening for like five years. Uh, and it was like slow motion. It was super cool. And we did wire work, like actual movie stunt work. I did like this running backflip over this like underground fake sewage place. It was dope. <laughs> and so they, that they was like on SmackDown's intro. Uh, no, that was the commercial. Um, okay. But some of the actual like wrestling moves, like Ray doing the 619 to Joey and slow-mo was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sky taking a crossroads, I think. Um, so that was the first one we did. And then they were like, well, Hey, let's just reuse those guys for the second one for the most part. Uh, so the second one was in this old warehouse in Chinatown. Um, Oh, real quick, a shitty thing. Cause every one of my stories has me being embarrassed or have my feelings hurt. Uh, on that first one, this girl comes up to us. and was like, okay, cool. We got a bunch of good looking guys today. This is gonna be fun. This is easy. 
um, you know, uh, we'll get you guys get your outfits on. And then um, does anyone want makeup? And everyone was like, oh, no, we're good. And they're like, OK, just Andrew, then come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Like they, they wanted to cover like my fucking acne and stuff. It was so whack. Uh, but anyway, so on the next one, we go and um, BHK is on this one, too. It's me, Ricky Mandel, BHK, uh, Ryan Taylor, Scorpio Sky, and I don't know if you guys know Wise Guy from NorCal. He was there, too. Um, so the first day was Sunday. It was SummerSlam, uh, 2010. A uh, bunch of good shit went on. There's like a Hell in a Cell match. There's like all kinds of shit. Uh, that day, they didn't use anybody but me and, uh, me and Ricky Mandel. They were like, uh, we just need two of you today. So we were there for like 12 hours and like Sky and them like didn't do anything. Got paid, but still. Um, so we we do the uh, the the lighting for the photo for the magazine spread for it. So they had me and Ricky being all these wrestlers so they could set up the lighting and the posing. And it was crazy because like me and the stunt guy like got into it. Like, you know me, I can't go anywhere and not cause a fucking problem. Um, they're trying to light it was the big show was going to be holding a choke slam. And so they had put me on wires and they were like, okay, Ricky, you're going to be uh, the big show. And he'll just be the, the generic. Cause one of us was going to be the body. Um, and the guy was like, yeah, so you're going to hold him under the butt like this and under his back. So basically like the craziest, nastiest power bomb you've ever seen <laughs> because he was going off a sketch. WWE sent like a literal sketch. Like it kind of looked like a coloring book. And he was like, Nope, he's holding him like this. And I was like, Sir, you need to understand this is what we do. That's not the move. It needs to look like this because – and, like, his arm was in his face. And I was like, I think they're going to want to see his face. And he's like, kid, you know how long I've been doing this? And I was like, I get that, bro. But I don't think they're going to hide the Big Show's face as he holds someone up in an unnatural position. So me and this guy are fucking arguing. I'm, I'm stupid. I, was just, I just <laughs> – because Ricky had to hold me like that. Like, yeah, I was on wires, but like it wasn't holding all my weight. And they needed us to hold that for like a long time to get multiple lighting angles. and all. So Ricky Mandel is holding me fucking in the move that the big show has never done. Uh, <laughs> Yuma. And then you could have just that? shut down that conversation by asking one question to that dude. Who'd you ever beat? Who'd you <laughs> ever beat? <laughs> I know I should have, but he had Oscars, uh, uh, for, uh, uh, visual effects and some other stuff. So I was like, all right, this guy's got Oscar. <laughs> I beat a couple people. So me and Ricky keep doing that. And like, they wanted all this unreasonable shit. I had to do a boom drop off a ladder, like a bunch of times. <laughs> it was under a crash pad, but I was like really high up. Cause they needed that mid air for Kofi. They wanted me to hold a six one nine, like static, like, like a flagpole. <laughs> but they think you're but, a CrossFitter. What the fuck? Dude, legit. <laughs> But it wasn't even ring ropes. There was no ring in this set. We were in the attic of a warehouse, and it was literal rope between two just, like, pillars. So it was loose-ass, like, sharp, like, rough-ass rope, and they want me to hold myself. <laughs> Eventually, they had Ricky hold my shins so that I was, like, floating. And then the best part of all is we got to be uh, Michelle McCool and Layla. Because I was small, they had me be the girls and, like, pose all cute and shit. And so, and my biggest regret is not taking a picture of it because we're trying to be cool about our phones, but they composited all of that together for the proof of concept. So somewhere there is a photo of me and Ricky Mandel filling every role in the magazine ad, like with the logos and everything, but it's me as Lay Cool and it's me as Kofi 
and Ricky is Big Show and like all this shit. Like we saw it and it was the funniest looking thing in the world. But I didn't take a picture of it because I didn't want to get in any more trouble. Uh, but the next day, they're like, okay, today you guys are bumping. We promise. And we're like, all right, sick. Whatever. Uh, Kane was the first one that got there. And like, I was just like, oh, sick. Because uh, they're like, yeah, you guys are going to be working with Kane, the big show, uh, Kofi Kingston, <clears throat> Rey Mysterio Jr., and The Undertaker. And all of us were like, what? Like, what the fuck? Okay, this commercial's a big deal. Uh, Kane shows up. They line us up. And he looks at me. He's like, you know I'm picking you, right, kid? Uh, and I was like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> so, because he was – and he literally was like, hey, I got here first. I got dibs. I got dibs on the small one. Um <clears throat> so we go in, whatever the, the gimmick was, taking choke slams um, onto like dust. Like they were putting baby powder down to create like dust. And I was like, oh, no crash pad. And, but I didn't say anything because, you know, I was already dumb shit the day before. And Kane, Kane asked, he went, there's no crash pad for the kid? He's like, no, we need the impact. Like the commercial, like we need the impact and the dust. And I was like, I was just, you know, whatever. Like, I wasn't going to say no to anything. And, um, and like, right away, though, Kane had my back. And so first we hooked me up to wires and do all these, like, dangling, like, choking shots for, like, close-ups. And he was choking the shit out of me. Like, because <laughs> it was, like, a really tight shot. Like, it was, like, like that for the ad. And those parts aired, too. So, like, it had to look good. And he was fucking squeezing me. And I was like, this is a big-ass dude. Holy shit. Lighten um, up, kid. Lighten up. <laughs> I want I wanted to say that, but I was like, whatever, like they're right here on us. Like we can't fake this. And then they unhook me and they're like, okay, now we're going to do the slams. You know, they don't know shit. They're just stunt coordinators. There was the only wrestling people in there were me and Kane. Like there were producers outside. Like if you guys remember big John Gaborik from uh, tough enough redhead guy. Yeah. Yeah, He was out there, but you know, they're on little monitors, but they weren't really having to watch the whole thing. They're watching the samples of the finished product. Mm -hmm. So, they don't know that nothing in there is safe or whatever. This ring, <laughs> guys, this ring was like a 30 by 30. It was it was made of marble from Greece. It was just this ancient, dusty, giant ring. And Kane said, yeah, they store uh, the old 80s rings here in L.A. They have storage here, and they just keep old rings from the 80s. He's like, he's like I tell you what, kid, like this, like Andre worked in this ring. Guarantee it. He's like, that's why it's so big, and that's why it's so stiff. That's why it's so sturdy. He's like, because guys back then were weighing so much more. He's like, the rings are different now. He's like, but I guarantee you, like guys like Andre worked in this ring. That's why it's so damn immobile. And I was like, sweet, here we go. Choke plans. <laughs> um, the very first one, I jumped. I jumped like high as hell, like way too high. And and I and I ate that bump, and I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh. And they're like, ah. That looked okay. Let's reset. So we do a bunch. I think we did – my total count was, I think, 11 or 12. Ugh. And on, like, the sixth one, like, halfway through, I'm gassed, and I put my elbow down. I chip my elbow, like, like nasty. Like, my elbow hits first. And after that one, Kane was like, hey, kid, you don't, you don't have to keep getting light, man. Just, just let me lift you a little bit. <laughs> Um, and then like in between everything, he was so nice. He was like so nice. And he asked me where I'd been working and he knew a lot more about like Indies. Like he knew about PWG and stuff. And he asked me like, you know, why I haven't tried to wrestle in Mexico. He was telling, he thought I'd be a good fit here and there. It was just really cool. And he was just super nice. And then like, they kept just not liking the takes. 
And at this point, we're getting close to like double digits. And then uh, the guy was like, well, we'll do, we'll do a couple more. We don't want to hurt him. And then Kane just snapped. My buddy Glenn snapped on him. <laughs> Mayor Glenn. <laughs> and, and he said, he went, he went, hey, it hurts every time. Get your fucking shot. And I was like, my hero. <laughs> and, and, you know, we did. We did, I think, two more. And they're like, okay, I think we got it. And then uh, we, I went and had to get my elbow looked at by the medic and shit. And it was like all fucked up. And it's still fucked up. There's a giant uh, gap missing, like right here in the point of it uh, to this day. And, um, and then we go and we do the photo shoot portion. It was me and Kane. They put me, they just kept me, kept me with him. And for his image, like his sweet action shot in the magazine spread was him giving me a left arm clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like for the sake of the shot i think oh yeah no 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 it was a right arm clothesline but he throws them left i've never noticed that i never noticed that kane throws left clotheslines like maybe on the big boy but off the top but like i never noticed and he's like yes yeah, so i apologize these are going to be really stiff because i never throw them with my right and so i had a crash pad and he just had to clothesline me and like almost like you know those like where you hang on to the short arm or clothesline, pick them up? We had to do that <laughs> over and over and over while they took pictures. So I took like a million clotheslines from him. Uh, but then he gave me his Starbucks, which was really nice of him. He gave me his Frappuccino. <laughs> and uh, and then, um, yeah, that, that, that was that day. It was really cool. Like there was a funny point where like Sky and Russ got yelled at by The Undertaker. And it was <laughs> like, I missed it. Cause they weren't doing anything yet. They had a really long gap. So this was like a 16 hour day. Um, and they were laying in the sun and undertaker walked up and just said, Oh, working hard boys. And they started doing crunches. Like, Oh, I was getting pumped. <laughs> it was a crazy day, man. Like meeting the undertaker and big show. And like, I made Ray Mysterio, uh, drop the brand new iPhone. I want to say four or five. Uh, it literally had come out like the Friday before that. And, uh, I was like, Oh, like he came up and said, what's up. And then he came up to me and said, how you doing, man? I was like, Hey, I'm Andrew. Nice to meet you. And, and when he went to put his phone in his hand to shake my hand, cause he had shaken everybody else's and then checked his phone real quick and then said, what's up to me. And when he switched hands, it just fucking fell brand new phone. And I just standing there like <laughs> with my hand out, like, <laughs> oh. and he was, and he, he was so cool. He didn't care. He's like, he's like, that's whatever and he picked it up and like you could tell he was mad but like he wasn't like a jerk to me about it he was like super nice but i was just standing there hand out like a fool made made this made my hero just break his brand new like 1200 phone <laughs> i tell you guys i can't go anywhere <laughs> mike we're gonna have to get dom back on and, and uh let ray know what happened let, let him know that we have the guy that made him break his phone and that and that he's and that he's willing to pick up the tab for the new phone. Yeah. I got him. I just needed yeah. one another one of them stimulus checks, and then we're good. <laughs> hey Yuma, real quick, I revealed how much weight I've put on over this past nine weeks. You want to reveal how much weight you put on? So I actually, my wife and I, we we've been working out uh, four or five days a week with dumbbells, cardio five six days a week with the elliptical, and taking our son to the park. And but the workouts have been just shitty. It's just been not good. And we haven't been eating too well. So uh, over the weekend, you know, we, uh, you know, we went grocery shopping. We ordered, you know, a bunch of subs and stuff. I put together a new routine. So like this morning, literally, we kicked off our new like routine. Uh, and yesterday, we weighed ourselves to 
check it out. And I was actually really happy. I'm still 184. I legit thought I was going to be under under 170 <clears throat> because I haven't been eating as much and mm. I haven't been lifting heavy at all. So I was like, I'm shrinking. Like, I know I'm shrinking because I feel skinnier. But I, I know I'm losing muscle, but I'm glad I'm still over 180 because I thought I was going to be under 170. Dude, I, I've, put on a, I've put on a good 13 to 15, brother. Oh, boy, that's a lot. God. That's a lot. That's <laughs> impressive. I'm honestly, if I, I kind of, and like, I kind of told myself, I was like, all right, if I can get to 200 the wrong way during this thing, <laughs> at least I have an excuse. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, I get to, and I get to be 200 pounds. I've never broken 200. One, I got stuck at 198. I couldn't, another, there weren't enough needles in the world to get me over that too. I just couldn't get, I couldn't, I couldn't. I tried so hard and I just couldn't break 200 no matter what. I was, I was 198 and 14% body fat and really happy, but I couldn't break 200 no matter what. God, man, I, oh, I man. struggle, bro. I, every day is a constant battle for me to like keep weight off. I can put weight on so. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the the bad weight too. I can put it on so easily. I hate oh, it, brother. Oh, me too. Me too. I'll gain at least, you know, shoot. We did like a three day cruise in September last week, and I gained like seven pounds in three days. <laughs> it's, it's that all night pizza kitchen, dude. Dude, it is. You can't leave that out. I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> Dude, if you didn't put on at least 10 pounds during quarantine, did you even really quarantine? Okay, and see, I actually started, I started like under 180, I think. I think I was like 178. So I think I've actually put on weight. But again, I was worried about going the wrong way because there's also days where I just haven't eaten at all. Like it'll be 3 p.m. and I realize I've just been on my side on my phone in bed and not eating anything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, I need to eat. And then it's like, well, well, dinner's at five. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh- Hey, Yuma, I have a question. Yeah, what's up? All right, so uh, Big Duke posted a picture a couple of days ago. Oh, of, yeah. Uh, you, him, Eddie Randall, and Nick Beasley, Nick Lovin at the yeah. beach. Yeah, hell yeah. Was that during the uh, was that during the 195 stage? or uh, No, I, that I was – uh, You, was and, about Nick one... were, you <laughs> and Nick Lovin were rocking those banana hammocks, bro. Oh, dude, and, I, uh, wore, <laughs> I, I wore a Speedo to the beach – Honestly, from like 2010 to, I mean, I just haven't been to the beach in a while, honestly. Uh, I always wear a Speedo to the beach, or I used to because I always wore trunks. And I never wanted to screw up my tan. So I always wore a Speedo to the beach no matter what. Like, if That's people, were, uncom- if people were uncomfortable, man. I was like, I don't give a fuck, bro. Like, we'll go to public pool. I'll be like, I'm wearing a Speedo. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm not screwing up my tan because you apparently <laughs> forgot what a male thigh looks like. Like, get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, Hunter, those were, the, those were the glory days, man. That was when we were, uh, you know, in the SoCal Pro House, and we would always go uh, – we'd go down to the beach, and then we would walk up and get hot dogs and chili dogs and stuff at this little uh, cart that sold coffee in the mornings and then, like, like junk the rest of the day. It was It was awesome. That was a good beach day, too. That was a really fun one. I think that was right after I got back uh, from Osaka. So I remember I got like I brought back an Osaka Pro beach bag, and my wife was like all stoked to use it that day. Uh, so that that was a really good day. I think we brought the football. Me and Duke threw the football around for about four seconds before he realized I'm not fun to play with. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that was yeah, that was that was fun times. And that picture always cracked me up because yeah, yeah, like we look like we're coming out of the water like fucking studs. Yeah, you know, we just a couple of scrubs. I, I think is I think is. 
uh, his caption on it was the uh, evolution lyrics. Oh, yeah, yeah. From it. <laughs> when, it, 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 it made me laugh. I was like, okay. Yeah, the stupid, the line in the sand. Yeah. It does, it does look like that. <laughs> and you know what's funny, though, is Beasley's the fucking, Beasley's Mark Dindrak. He's, like, out of the frame a little bit. <laughs> they, they tightened it up and just went with me and Randall and Duke instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. deep cut nerd wrestling shit oh, so good so good man <laughs> um, so one of the things I want to talk about that we didn't get to last time um, is you are probably the best person I know when it comes to like making your own merch um, and being creative and just having like a ton of stuff available um, really unique stuff and, and it took me a while to figure out like Oh, hey, like you need to have merch as a wrestler. Like you need merch to sell at shows because you might walk away with a couple extra hundred bucks that night. Like if you had a good night, like who knows? Maybe you did something cool. You popped everyone and, you know, and, and it's, I, I, that was like a big learning curve and learning experience for me where I just never wanted to invest in it, never wanted to, to deal with it. Um, but it was after watching you and creating your own um, merch for, for shows that I started to take take an interest in it. But um, I think for anyone who's out there, some of the younger guys or students that haven't invested or don't plan to, or don't take it seriously. I, I, I just think you're a good example for that. You want to talk about what you do or how you do it or what you're doing now or some of the uni- unique things that you've done previously. Well, like for me, you know, growing up, like, you know, I, who didn't want a shirt of something they like, you know, like when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, that movie was tight. Like, I wish I had a shirt of that. Well, that wrestler's dope. I want his shirt. It just, everything I do is kind of like from the perspective of a child. Like, you know, like I still like, I, I let nostalgia kind of uh, run my life, but in a, I feel like a positive way. Um, and that's something I, always, I was like, okay, well, what, what's a kid going to want? And I know as a kid, I wanted toys and, you know, I wanted a shirt and I wanted a shirt that fit me. That was a big thing for me as a kid. The WWF shirts started at an adult medium. And I didn't wear an adult medium until I was like 28. So like <laughs> that was kind of a burn. So I always made sure that my merch, you know, I try to make it appeal to, to wide audiences. And I try to make as many uh, like sizes as I could. And, and it's scary when you're new because there's nothing worse than standing at the table and nobody even fucking looks at you. But that happens your entire career. So just get your dang merch. Invest in yourself because like you said, you can make a ton of extra money. I can't tell you how many times I've made 10 times my actual payout because I had shirts to sell. My first shirt was uh, actually I ripped it off from a behind the scenes thing on. I think it was Superstars where Jericho was telling the world about Fozzie. But it was when they were separate people, Fozzie and Moon Goose McQueen. (coughs) And – um. One of the shirts he's wearing in the video says, like, we are huge rock stars or whatever. And I was just like, I'm going to copy that. That's mine now. I'm a huge rock star. So I had a logo on the front, logo on the back. It was not cheap, but it was a finished total product. And I sold all of them immediately. And then I did a ringer tee. And I sold 12 in one night at SoCal Pro, one of them outdoor shows on the little soccer field. I sold 12 shirts. I was like, whoa. I'm making like extra cash this way. And so after that's, that, uh, that, I just never fuck stopped. You money. That's fuck you it, money in the pro it, wrestling world. Oh, hell yeah, dude. When I walked to the back and everyone there had been wrestling 15 years longer than me and I had sold 12 shirts for 20 bucks each, I was like, hey, guys. Just <laughs> it. And, and then, you know, it was 
you want your merch to stand out. When I my next set of singles shirts were these bright neon orange and neon pink shirts. Uh, it was like a Scott Pilgrim parody, and you know I had my brother in law do it. So like I made sure like a talented art like he's a storyboard artist like he's an artist for a living. You know I went to somebody good and got it done and it looked great and it stood out on the table. It was black shirt, black shirt, black shirt, neon pink, neon orange. Who's this guy? You know. And I learned the most I learned about merch was from PWG. From being at the table with Chris Hero, hustling hero is what we call him. You know, he always had a million options. He had, you know, tons of different styles, different sizes, different cuts, DVDs. He had a little bit of everything. And so that's that's just what I just watching those guys, like watching them make like six hundred extra dollars. Like I think I was on a sh- I was on three sh- or two shows with Kevin Steen one weekend. He sold ninety eight shirts. Jesus. Ninety eight. In in two shows, I was on a PWG show with him and a Q Pro show with him, and I was just like, like I wanted to bar, like he was just like it, it. The lines were just so long, and like it was just a shirt every time, like no less than a shirt every time. DVDs, he was killing it. And so I just learned to have stuff that stands out, stuff you're proud of. You have to be proud of it because you're not gonna you know holler at a stranger to buy something from you if you're not proud of it. So you have to, it takes money to make money. Especially when it comes to merch, you gotta pay good graphic guys. You know, you you gotta you gotta get good stuff. Direct to garment is good, but when you need to do a design that you know takes like a ton of colors, sometimes <clears throat> adds up too much. Direct to garment might be better. The screening is always going to be better. People want to be able to feel that on their shirt. You know, that's quality. It's tangible, and that's important. And it doesn't really seem like because we're like, well, my logo looks tight. It's like, yeah, but how long is it going to look tight? How many washes? You know. Mm-hmm. You have to think about all that stuff. It's it's the same thing like when I was on the first time talking about professional language. Everything you do, you should be doing 100%. And now, uh, you know, ever since we were able to start, you know, focusing on our adventures in space, that really allowed me to open up our merchandise opportunities. I wanted to make toys my entire life. I cared about toys my entire life. I've always wanted to be a toy maker. I used to design them for art projects and stuff in school. And I was just like, I'm just going to make my own damn toys, you know? Who else is going to make a spaceship toy for the Rockness Monsters if not me, myself? So it's just one of those things, you know? I'm very DIY, you know? I'm in the garage making toys for our good pal Chris Terry right now, you know? Um, and and it's it's fun for me. It's it's what I love to do. And, and it makes me extra money, you know? People appreciate a handmade piece of art. And, and it goes a long way. Uh, to in the fans' eyes when they see how much effort you're putting in. You know, fans know which wrestlers are screening their own shirts. You know, they know who invested in that stuff so they can get it done themselves and pop out a new design. That kind of stuff goes a long way with fans. You can impress them in the ring and you can impress them at the table and you can impress them with how much effort you're putting in to making sure they have a good overall experience with you as a brand and as a performer. All that stuff's important. And I'm by no means a master of it, but compared to a lot of people... I just bit the bullet, you know, <laughs> it takes money to make money, spend that money, get that order of shirts. So that way people are walking billboard for you going forward. Hey, who's that? I've never seen that before. Oh, he's on the card tonight. Dope. His shirt looks cool. I'll pay attention. There it is. It's just one more person that's, you know, thinking about you. You want people to think about you as often as possible, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And you can be in someone's sight if you've got good merch on somebody else. So. That's my rant about merch. <laughs> what are some of the cool things? Because I, I thought there were some unique, thing, unique things you'd done with Kevin recently. What, what, uh, what are some of the 
he's uh, so, done in the so last right now, year right now, Kevin is um, he's doing 3D printing. And so he's making these really cool uh, classic NES-style controllers uh, that say Rockness Monsters. The start and the start, uh, start and the pause button say BHK and Yuma. And so, like, he's <clears> making those. And uh, he made a toy of our um, uh, our original general in outer space in the Republic of Cosmic Knights. Uh, he's a little robot. He was an alien, got blown up. Now he's a robot. So Kevin made a little uh, <laughs> figure in honor of him. And then I have made. Um, Micro machine ships of our ship, the Saurian 2. I made fully painted ones on the first time I did them, and that was really hard, but I was really proud of them. And then the second time around, I was able to release them in a two-pack with the spaceship of our evil clones in Vermin and their uh, their little small fighter ship. So it's really cool. You get our ship and the enemy <clears throat> ship in one little pack, and I made them by hand. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it was the uh, I think it was the uh, controllers that I saw recently where. It- I, I saw it on Instagram or something and went, what the fuck is that? I've never seen that before. I have never seen anyone come close to anything this interesting for a piece of merch. And I was like, I don't know how much they're selling for, but they better be selling for a lot. Cause this is like this, if, if you're a wrestling fan, like it was total, total collector's item. Yeah. Um, and it's and like you said, it's different. He brought one to the last <clears throat> bar show we did before all the shutdowns uh, or no, he brought two and they, they sold right away. You know, and the fact that people see that he's making them, he's sitting there designing those on the computer, you know, like he's doing all this angles and math and, you know, all this stuff, you know, he's putting the work in and it's cool. And what's cool too about the controllers is, um, I think he's going to have it set up kind of like, I don't know if you've been to Disneyland and built the little astromech (laughs) droids and star tours, uh, but he's going to have it where you can pick your base and you can pick your A and B button in one color, your starting pause in another. So he's making it really customizable. So yours can be yours. That's awesome. So when will they put Hogsman on it? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I, I was actually, my head is always turning on what I can make for other people. Um, a lot of times I don't have ideas for us or the ideas I have for us are too grand. Like I'm, I'm, it's been a long process, but I'm working on actual articulated figures of the Rock Nest Monsters, uh, like Jurassic Park scale from back in the day. Um, but I can't do those right now. I need some more things. And so I was actually I was thinking of uh, a little Hogsman style figure. Uh, <laughs> so I've been actually digging around through my toys, looking for like a really like like tough looking pig head and just some cool parts. So so you guys might have some uh, some fun merch courtesy of me pretty soon if I can find the oh, right parts. Dude. Nice, that's awesome. Because that's what it. I love to do. I love looking at what is this guy like. Oh man, that guy's sick. He should have toys. You know, like that's just what I've done my whole life. <laughs> If a movie didn't have toys, I would sit down and write what they should have been and draw them. So, I don't know. That's, that's what I do for fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you uh, you kind of had a little good segue there. You're talking about your your evil twins and the vermin. Um, obviously, you're in in uh, Hollywood for a long time. You did a lot of great stuff there um, in front of the camera and behind the scenes. Um, Take it away, man. Anything you want to talk about from that, from the experiences, um, being in the office? Like, what were your favorite parts of that? Uh, I mean, I've man, I've again, 10 years is a long time to do anything. Me and Kevin were on the pilot, episode zero, shot at Orange High School. We wrestled Los Luchas. We fucking, we tore it up. Uh, that match is actually online. I'm probably going to post uh, one of my other, one of my little cheesy music videos I've been making. I'll probably make one of that this week. But, uh, you know, from the beginning, me and Kevin weren't supposed to be tag partners on it. Um, we were tag partners in Mach 1, 
which was kind of like the practice area for the TVs <laughs> that were coming up because the idea was in place, you know, the schedule was set and all that. Um, but they wanted to see who was going to be on it and who could be viable locals because they were going to use some fly-ins like they had before. That's CBS studio stuff. And so uh, me, they didn't, me and Kevin were tie champs there, but they didn't want us to team Marquez. Um, you know, he, he had known Kevin already for a long time and he'd only known me for maybe, I don't know, six months um, at that point. And so it was kind of like, well, get rid of this new fucking kid. And they were going to put uh, Johnny Goodtime with uh, Paul London was the plan for them to be the team. But John Ian from Mach 1 was just like, well, those are my tag champs. So if you want to use those tag titles on TV, because they didn't have any tag titles at the time, he's like, if, if it was kind of like, you know, hey, if you don't want to use it, <laughs> if you want to use those tag titles, you got to use the tag champs and you got to figure something out. And like, so it kind of just forced their hand. And so we got to be on, you know, the first set of tapings as Rockness as the inaugural tag <clears throat> champs. And it just kind of went from there. And I went from being just a regular player to Kevin leaving the show over some disagreements, you know, some typical Hollywood bullshit. Um, you know, Kevin walked away from the show and I was on my own and Lagana was in charge at the time. And so, uh, you know, he, he appreciated my loyalty. And so he rewarded me. He put me in a program with Sean Ricker, with, which is how I got close with Percy. And then Percy ended up being a great friend of mine until he passed. Um, you know, and that was just because I, I, I didn't go anywhere. I was like, well, I'm going to keep doing this. I like doing it. It's really far. The days are miserable. The pay is ass. But I, I believe in this, so I'm going to keep doing it. And I got rewarded. You know, I had a little singles <clears throat> push for a minute there. And then eventually Kevin came back, and we were able to reunite. And when he came back, and then uh, I'm going to break all the kayfabe now. It's so all the outer space stuff. <laughs> I know you guys believed it, but I'm going to break it to you. Uh, it's just fun in games. But so when Kevin came back, we feuded instead. And we had this awesome feud and beat the fucking tar out of each other. Uh, well, he beat the tar out of me, and I did my best to stiff him <laughs> in return. That's never really worked well. Um, you know, I had some fun singles matches, and he came back, and we feuded, and then it was one of those feuds where, like, we couldn't win. Like, our matches went to, like, countouts. And so on this episode where we went to a double countout, uh, we ended up reuniting later in the same episode and taking out PP uh, Ray. And at the time, we were going to change our name. I was like, I don't know if Rockness works anymore. And we had never been heels before. So I was like, Rockness can't be heels. We need to be something else. And so uh, we had come up with, we were going to look more like the Warriors, like like dark red and like more browns and stuff like that. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to have like feathers and shit in the, like not a lot, like very subtle. Like, um, And we're going to be called the Vulture Club because I, I love Culture Club with Boy George. And... Um, and I wanted to I wanted to pick a bird that hadn't or like an animal that hadn't really been overused. You know, there had been vulture, I think, in ROH. There was a group called that, but I was like, oh, but we're vulture club, like it's different. And right as we're like pitching all this and like I'm putting logos together, bullet club starts popping off. And I was like, we can't be called the club anymore. Like we can't have the word club in our name at all. Like we just can't. And then uh, so Joe Schmo, who was the head writer with Angelo and uh, Johnine at the time, Schmo was like, well, let's come up with a heel group. It'll be kind of what you guys were doing. Um, uh, and they're like, well, we'll come up with a name or whatever. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then before all that happened, before Vermin and everything actually <laughs> happened, um, me and Kevin were going to be just a tag team on our own with a bodyguard. 
we were going to have Mabel as our bodyguard because Dave had worked with him in the South a bunch and he had that connection and Percy had the connection with him. And we were going to bring in Mabel to be Rock Ness's bodyguard. And I was nice. like on cloud nine. Like it was like really close to happening. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, sadly he passed away and we had already started going in a different direction anyways, because, you know, it was probably a money thing. So we kind of started going this way with the idea and then he passed away and it never happened. It was really sad for me. Um, but so then Shmo was like, let's do this group. He's like, yeah, I want it to be you. Good time. And I was like, okay, yeah, duh. Like the group's been one of the, the group thing was kind of my idea when we lost the, <clears throat> the thought of having a manager. I was like, well, what if we do a new stable, like create a new stable of a problem. Um, and then he was like, yeah, it'll be you and good time. It'll be Rockness. And he's like, and I want to bring in Joey chaos and B boy. It'll be you four. And then you guys will add one more guy. And I was like, and I looked at him, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I told him, I was like, dog, like, I love Chaos and I love Benny. I was like, but that's a really stupid group idea. I was like, I was like, what is the point of it? And he's like, oh, I just think it'd be badass. You guys are all badass. And I was like, okay, what's your plan for us? He's like, well, you guys would be like, you know, like badass and like cool, like the NWO. And I was like, Schmo, that's, that's everybody thinks they're badass and cool and like the NWO. I was like, why don't you let me make... And anyone who knows me knows I love ragtag. I love misfits. Like I didn't like, I didn't give a shit about the Avengers. I liked guardians of the galaxy, you know, like I liked the group of uh, the random scrubs, the misfit toys. And so I was like, what if it's Rockness, and we get Tito Escondido because Rico wasn't on the, sh- wasn't going to be on the show anymore. And Tito needed something to do. And I was like, what about Ryan Taylor? Because it just didn't make sense. Like I was like, I don't want it to make sense. Like what do Tito and Ryan Taylor have in common? You know, nothing. And then I was like, and and I was like, so it should be us four to start. And then we'll turn Nick Madrid heel, who had never been heel anywhere, period. Like ultimate baby face everywhere. And so we do all this stuff as the four of us. <clears throat> and we were, we were called Vermin. And like, I got my way on the name, on the logos. Like I did all, well, I did all the work. <laughs> um, and and then we turned Nick Madrid, like the day we really debuted later in that same episode, we turned Nick Madrid and it fucking worked perfect. Like it worked perfect. And then he went out and got this sick ass gear that looked really cool. I got us all jackets made. So we'd be like a real group. And it was just really, really fun, like right away. And then it changed because people were leaving. And, and then I think the, the vermin that most people think of is when it was uh, me, uh, Kevin Martinson, Ryan Taylor and Joey Ryan. It was like that one because we won all the titles all at the same time, which is my favorite thing for a stable to do. Uh, but the worst <laughs> part about that is I had I had got put in the office as like a producer and like an agent uh, in the end of 2014. Um, and I had been in the office and the boys knew because I was like in charge of ring crew and shit before that. So like I was working my way up the ladder uh, and wrestling the entire time. Um and then I got put in the office and they were like, oh, we're going to make Willie uh, champ. But then, oh, but Willie's going to Lucha Underground. And they're like, OK. And then it was me, Stu Stone, Angelo, Schmo and Dave on the phone. And they were like, well, Yuma, who do you think should be the next champ? And I was like, it should be a good time. I was like, make him a singles champ. We'll figure it out. The group doesn't have to be, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, OK. Kevin gets hurt. He, he got injured and couldn't do it. And they were like, okay. 
And I was like, it should be Tito. And they're like, mm, we don't know about Tito yet. You know, like he's only been on the show for a little while. And I was like, doesn't matter. Put the title on, you know, this badass dude, whatever. And they're like, no. And then everyone on the call was just uh, on that next call was just like, Yuma, it should be you. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, guys, you're really going to fucking embarrass me to the locker room. It's they're going to they're going to pick on me. Like, it's going to cause problems, guys. Like, it's not worth it. Like, whatever cool ideas you have. I was like, it's not really worth it to me. So I was like, I appreciate it, but I don't want to be champ. And they were like, you don't have a choice. (laughs) So Angela and Shmo had booked it so that I would win the PP3 cup in like the shittiest way possible. I beat Ricker in his first match back from NXT in the cup based on his manager, Percy Pringle. Oh. So I beat him in the first round and then I got a bye to the finals. So we got the heat on that. And then James Morgan, who had just returned after like over a year with an injury, he had wrestled three matches in that night and I had wrestled one and then I beat him in the finals and, you know, it got a ton of heat. And then I stole the title from the hobo. And then from there, it was just really fun. Like, Vermin was just super fun. It was just me and my pals being as obnoxious as possible on commentary. And and it was one of those things that worked, though. Like, it really genuinely worked. Like, the, you know, the crowds were really full. Um, we blew it off, basically, with uh, me losing the title to, title to Peter. It's one of my favorite matches ever. Peter's easily one of – him and – I think my favorite opponents ever are probably Peter Sky and Duke. Like those are my three absolute favorite people to wrestle. And me and Peter, we got like, they give us like three segments. We cut really mean promos about each other. I asked him right before, I asked him right before because I was like supposed to be the nastiest heel in the company. And I was like, I was like, Pete, can I shoot on you? And he was like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Go ahead. And so, <laughs> and so like, that was you a good know, That's a good and like, and I went in on him. I went in on him. I cut this, like, I think it was like, I think it was 90 seconds or two minutes straight. One just one take, and I just went off on him. I just went off on what he didn't have and what I did, and this and that. And he would never have this. And I have a wife and a son and a beautiful home. And you just got dumped by blah blah blah. And like I just went in on him, and we did it in one take. And Peter was just like, "Fuck, man!" Like, <laughs> and then we went out there and we had one of my favorite matches ever. And that that's one of my highlights. Another time was uh when I was still champ. Um. It was before that. It was like two months before that. I wrestled Scorpio Sky at the Red Carpet Rumble. And like we tried to do these special entrances. Like his the guy who did his theme music wrapped him to the ring. I tried to do this like Mad Max thing. It fell apart like at the last minute, but it's still my gear still looked cool. Uh but like the 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 whole presentation was kind of fucked up. And uh but we went out there and we killed it. Like it's one another one of my favorite matches. Like honestly, my favorite matches have probably been at Hollywood. Like, if you ask me where my favorite matches were, like, only one is at PWG, honestly, I think. Uh, the rest have all been at Hollywood. Hollywood was my home, you know, for 10 years. And it's it's still sort of a sore subject, uh, but not being in the, there anymore sucks, you know. I think I did a lot of good um, <clears throat> for the locker room. Uh, a lot of really good matches. Match quality was, like, one of my main things that I wanted to fix. I was like, dude, none of you guys are wrestlers. You don't know what's going to make a good match because you watch it. I was like, I've wrestled these guys and I've been on opposite sides when I was like, I know who doesn't work well together. I was like, these guys don't even like each other. I was like, I guarantee they're not going to want to wrestle well because they don't like each other. I was like, but you guys don't know that you don't pay attention to that. And that's where I felt like I had an advantage was knowing everybody and being able to like sort that out so that 
the right guys were working with the right guys and you weren't asking someone to swim upstream, you know something about them personally, you're probably going to know what they'll embrace and what they won't. And I thought that was important to give guys stuff that they'll embrace because we all know that payday wasn't, wasn't shit. So it had to be fun. It had to be fun. I just would tell guys, I was like, look, man, if you want to go, go, there's no heat. I'll figure the story out. I can't tell you how many times I had to adjust the story day of because someone got called by TNA, you know, someone's dreams were coming true. I was like, go, go. I can count probably on one hand the amount of times I had to ask somebody to skip something for us. Almost every time I was like, I'll make it work, dude. And it was never, that wasn't easy for me. It was rough, but I would still rather my locker room at least be happy with what they're doing and knowing they can still go do something that might make them happier. I was like, I'm not here to hold anybody back or chain anybody down. A lot of times younger guys would be like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. And then I'd be like, okay, I think you're making a mistake because you can learn a lot here. There's so many guys that would credit a lot of their ability to wrestle like a TV style, a filmable style from being on Hollywood. You know, you learn a lot there and you get great footage. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of everything I, you know, did as a wrestler there. I only had a couple real duds that I was like, okay, I need to step my shit up. But for the most part, that TV style was what I watched growing up. It's what I loved the most. And it's what I wanted to do. You know, PWG style, people call it that, like that really crazy high pace, whatever. It's like, yeah, we did that too. And sometimes we would bring it to Hollywood. And that was really fun because um, the, the cameras couldn't keep up sometimes. And so... <laughs> It, but it was, it, but it was fun to do because sometimes that crowd was like, "Oh my god!" Like we never see these guys do this. They they kick and punch for four minutes and then hit like a sleeper, and then all of a sudden we're out there doing DVDs off the top to the outside. And like, I was able to book DJ Hyde versus Bad Dude Tito in a no rope hardcore match. <laughs> like, uh, oh I'm yeah, Yuma, you, you, yeah. I remember, I remember you booking DJ Hyde. Yeah, well, that was part of that was part of a business agreement that existed. You know, one of my jobs there was always to maximize our um, cooperation with other companies. Yeah. You know, that's how I became the Wired champion. It was literally a joke. It was a joke uh, that Giancarlo, who works for WWE now, he and I would joke that um, I should become the Wired or someone from Hollywood should become the Wired champion to show the, you know, the connectivity with CZW. Like, we're working together. These companies are united, but if no one ever appears on the other show, no one gives a shit. It's just in name. It's just in graphics. So they're like, what if, what if you guys have someone win the title? And then John Carlos like, it should be you dude. And he's like, you'll get over at CZW. I did not, uh, by the way, <laughs> not, not even a little, we're talking earlier about merch and standing there just defeated. Cause no one's even looking at you. That was me all three times. I was at CZW. Uh, just sad. Just, I, uh, I, I like DJ. You you actually you booked me against him at that championship one time, and uh, <laughs> it was it was actually like a, it was actually a pretty good experience as far as like the seven chops I took. Uh, the, but he was he was a nice guy, man. I appreciate you know he was very nice to me, and uh, I remember you coming up to me and going, "Hey, man, uh, you know you can you can handle yourself." <laughs> I was like, "All right, man." That was kind of how I—that was kind of how I had to say it sometimes to people. Just that was my like, "Hey, just be, take care of yourself," you know. Like no, I knew, he, I knew who could and who couldn't when it came to to, to a guy like DJ. You know, he was a uh, he was cool, man. I mean, the chop—he has the hardest chops I've ever felt in my life. But, but I, I remember, 
you know what? I've actually never wrestled DJ. We were in, I think, a red carpet rumble, and he came like he was looking for me, like because we're, you know, we're we're pals. Mm-hmm. And um, and he came looking for me, and I was like, no, not today. And I just <laughs> powder. No, I uh, no, he he had some stiff chops, man. Stiff yeah. chops, he, dude. When he was around, he he beat up a lot a lot of guys, and I was like, well, I mean, somebody's got to wrestle this dude. He, you, know, you know what? He, like I said, he was nice to me, and he even told me he goes, "Man, if you come to the East Coast, let me know. I'll get you booked everywhere." And I'm like, "All right, cool, man. I appreciate it." And that's you know. a very that's a very DJ thing. But I will say, while he was at Hollywood, he never, um, you know, he never he never took advantage advantage of any of my guys. So that was pleasant because you never know with an outsider. You really don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially when they're that regular, because then they get comfortable. Uh, a little fun funny fact: something that I had booked that didn't come to fruition until years later. Uh, was a group called Pack Three. Pack oh Three. yeah, Pack yeah. Three. Was, I always wanted Hollywood to have a, its version of the Varsity Club. You know, just some jocks, just some some jocks. And I was like, if I can get guys with like shoot backgrounds, like, and we maximize that, like, let's play with that. Like, I felt like wrestling had really gotten away from the sports background of a lot of guys, and you know, to benefits and to negatives. Like, I, I was I was cool to learn that someone was like. Like when I heard that Lance Storm was like a like an all star volleyball player, I was like, that's fucking fascinating. Like that's why his drop kick is like thirty feet in the air. So I was gonna do a jock group called Pack Three, and the original it was always gonna have Dan Joseph in it because that he is a jock. He has a he just Dan just has a jock chin, and and he plays hockey, and you know he's probably all his teeth are probably fake from playing hockey up in Buffalo. Like he's a jock, you know. And so the group was always gonna have him in it, and the original group was Dan Joseph. And it was going to be Mike Camden, and it was going to be Anthony Idol. But Mike, you had stepped away, uh-huh. and Idol didn't want to change his name because I was like, "Hey, bro, I want to change your name for this." And he was kind of like, "Well, I don't feel like I should have to." And I was like, "Okay, like we definitely disagree on this, bro." Like it wasn't heat, but I was like, "I need you to understand how much I'm disagreeing with you on this right now." I was like, "But don't worry, like an opportunity will come," and it did, and he's embraced it fantastically. Um, but yeah, the original group was I was going to have Dan be a hockey player. Uh, I was going to have Idol be the big football player. And I think, Mike, I think for you, I was going to have you be a water polo player. Fuck you. <laughs> but the reason for the, and the reason for that is, is just because, you know, you have the longer lean body. And in high school, I had really serious issues with my water polo team. So I was like, man, like how, like for me, Water polo guys were, were jerks. They were they were heels. And I was like, I was like, in this heel group, what what could be better than like a jerk water polo guy? And uh, and so I was gonna have that be you. And then you know the group ended up being uh, Flex and uh, Dan Dicky and the Water Boy sometimes. But that was just yeah. something funny that uh, yeah, I'd had you pen for that mic, and then yeah. you had stepped away for a little bit, and I was yeah. like, well, I don't. Yeah. I was you like, I don't know how to make it work. Uh, is uh, I remember that I stepped away, and you know, you looking back down, you know, in your past and the decisions you make, I I I kind of regret stepping away, but at the at the time, I just I really felt like I wasn't really like good enough, like I wasn't really producing, and I wanted to like get better, and uh, you know, it was just what I look back at it now, and I go, man, that's probably a stupid decision to to make, but you know, hey, you learn from it, and you, know, uh, you learn. I w- I was just bummed because Angelo and I had. Uh, had planned for you to feud with Scorpio Sky, uh-huh. so so you would get get to that level you wanted to be, uh-huh. because um, Angelo or Angelo and Dave were like, man, like Camden's really good, and I was like, I was like, yeah, he's really like, he'll he'll be fine if we can keep him around, 
And then after that, losing that feud to Sky was how you were going to end up in pack three. Uh, like that was that was like the whole thing. You'd be a babyface in that, and losing would kind of make you a shithead. And you would start uh, start associating <laughs> with Dan, who was coming out of being in Footloose and turning into a shithead. So like I had like I you know me I I write my stories for like months and months and months. And so that was how that was going to go. But I don't know. You would have probably had to work in some really tiny trunks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. It's just the under speedo. <laughs> it's one of those things, you, you know, it was a decision I made. I look back at it now and I go, ah, probably not the best decision. But, hey, it is what it is, man. You take it as a learning experience and you just keep moving on, you know. That's all you can do, man. I mean, in every story I've told you guys, there's no less than four moments of me royally fucking up. <laughs> but here I am still because I learned from it. Like, hey, don't do that again. Like maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe don't say anything. That's my biggest thing that I've had to learn. It's just yeah. not to speak up. I'm, I've always been a vocal person. I, but there's, I, I learned to pick my battles from making mistakes like those, you know, some of them just aren't worth it. Cause even <laughs> if you win, then what, like, what did you win? <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, hey, Mike. The the good news is this guy never ended up doing anything with his career. So it probably wouldn't have mattered much. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure what happened to Scorpio sky. I never saw him again. Um, no man. Never saw I, uh, him again. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're coming up uh, on a little bit over an hour here, and I just wanted to, uh, you know, one of my, you know, f- you know, you brought up a fun fact earlier, and the fun fact for me is, uh, you know, my first debut in a professional wrestling ring was in a Rumble, and fun fact was that r- I think Yuma was the third guy I met up with in that Rumble because I came out and I initially uh, had a spot with uh, uh, SoCal Crazy and then... Uh, uh, Ricky Mandel and I remember looking on the list and you were the next guy coming out and I didn't know you and I, can't, I went up to you and I was like hey man you know we're gonna have like a kind of a few a minute out there by ourselves you want to do anything and I remember you still I still I pretty much remember the spot I think I threw a line you hit me with some stinger chops whip reverse and I think you hit me with a forearm a flying forearm and and that was one of the, uh, and that, and that was my initial, like, you know, introduction into the, into doing shows of a professional wrestling match. And I remember you, Ronnie Thrash and Ricky Mandel were like, I didn't know any, I didn't know, I didn't know you guys at all. I just met you that night basically. And you guys all kind of like guided me around the ring that night. And, uh, you kept coming by you, Ricky and Ronnie kept coming back up to me and just being like, you good, you good. All right. Chop me. A lot of people, they, they get baptized, right? They get baptized. Uh, they get taken, you know, and, and, and put in the corner and chopped up by everybody in the ring. And I never experienced that for some, like, for some reason it didn't happen to me, probably because Tommy Wilson got eliminated before I went in there. I was going to say, that's why you just, Tommy wasn't in there. to And big Duke, uh, he was the champion, so he wasn't in it, but, uh, yeah, I never experienced that baptism. And, uh, that's why I, I don't participate in when uh, when it does happen nowadays, I don't I don't participate in it. So I've always been against that, and that's why knowing in the SoCal Pro Rumble, I always knew I was like, hey, we don't like I don't do that shit. So if I'm yeah. out there while you're out there and that starts, don't worry, it'll stop. Yeah. I just don't like it because everything we do hurts enough. There's no point in isolating one person, and you know, like if they've been through training, if they've done enough to get a spot on a show correctly, we not we know that not all promoters do that but that's something that jeff you know didn't take lightly you had to earn being on his shows i was just like dude if these kids were this and also i was at the school a lot so i knew who was you know worth their salt and who wasn't and i was like okay like there's no need to beat any of these guys up but i think it was that same match 
I did have to give someone a little uh, a little uh, notice. I had to give them a little uh, a little potato. Uh, do you remember Kippa? <laughs> yes, uh, his name was Zach. Yep, Zach. Yep. So uh, you and I had our spot. I remember it too. I came in hot. You threw the line. Duck, sting, sting. Boom, reverse. Boom, forearm. Separate. That's I. That's one of yep. my go tos. And Kippa, I was like, Kippa, you have a really good jab. I had just seen it at class. I was like, you have a really good jab. I was like, you need to come in, house of fire, slide on that tummy Billy Gunn style, and you need to go around jabbing everybody up. Because when Billy Gunn's in, uh comes out in Royal Rumble 2001, he's got the gold trunks. He comes out, and he's just fucking whoa, whoa, just firing on everybody, and it's awesome. He's this guy that no one ever saw on the level of like Austin and shit like that. But he came in hot, and he's lighting up Austin and Kane and like all the big boys. And I was like, wow. I was like, and I told Zach, I was like, in one moment, you could probably really matter to these people, not just to your friends that came, but to the people that are seeing you for the very first time. I was like, I want you to find everybody, jab them up, move to the next one, through one or two, next one, one or two, next one. I was like, and then find me, and then I want you to light me up in the corner uh, until I go all the way down to my butt. He comes over me and he punches me right in the face, <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I told him, I was like, all right, keep going, lighten up. And he's just socking the shit out of me. He's, he's at this point, he's beating me up. And I'm like, this ain't okay, brother. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I said, feet, and I just said, feet out. I said, feet out, come back with a line. And he ran in full steam with a line, and I just kangaroo kicked him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was, I'm not going to lie to you, man. That was the, like, you know, we all have fun in the ring and stuff like that. But that first rumble for me was absolutely the, the, the most fun I've ever had because it was my first experience. And plus, I was surrounded by a bunch of guys who were just, like, helping me out the whole time. And I, I it was, it was uh, the funnest time, man. And I'll tell you, man, I appreciate it because even afterwards, after the match, I got eliminated. And then you got eliminated not too long ago or not long after. And you came back, man. You just gave me some good, good words of encouragement. And I really appreciate it because my real goal was only to have like one match, you know, just to kind of you, I don't see know what, what I could I don't do. Know if you remember this, but I used to give you shit for not, not caring enough for having yeah. the tools and not caring. And I would always give you shit. Uh, you'd be like, oh, you know, I'll do it for like a year. And I was like, no, you won't, motherfucker. Uh, I was like, be, and yeah. you know, and it was the first thing, the first thing that I saw with you was like, oh, this guy has exercised in his life. <laughs> Too many guys would show up to Jeff school and especially new wave school. And like, they had never, they'd never gotten up off a chair before. And you, I could tell, <laughs> period, you were a grown up, you know, you were, you were in shape, you were taking it seriously. And that's why it bothered me when you were like, Oh, I'm just kind of just checking it out. I was like, fuck that dude, do, do more. And I stuck around. I ended up sticking around <laughs> still here to this day. Hey, Mike, uh, you calling you a grown-up is his way of saying you're about to age out of the business. I, on that <laughs> night, my debut, I aged out, okay? I, 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 came to, I came to terms with that. I think Mike debuted. He was already 39 or... or <laughs> <laughs> I was on the wrong side of 30, definitely. But, oh, hey, uh, listen, Yuma, this is too good. We might have to bring you back for that trilogy, brother. Hey, you know I love trilogies. Uh <laughs> I uh, I'm running low on on juice on the phone right now, so I think we got to start c- calling it a wrap. Dev, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's good. I, I have a quick question. Uh, who 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 did Vermin's music? 
Uh, Vermin's music was something Johnny Goodtime or BHK discovered. Uh, it's from the anime called Death Note. The character's name is L. It's L's theme. Um, it's it's actually really long. It's like eight minutes long or something. And so we had figured to like trim it. And um, it's funny because like I don't know. I'm kind of I'm a bossy person. I just am. I just take charge. I have to, or stuff won't get done, and I'll lose my mind. And um, so like when it comes to music though. Me and BHK, like we butt heads sometimes. I'm like, well, let's use this, let's use that. A lot of most of our music has actually been him because I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I'm just like, I can't be a dick and just hog every decision. So most of our music has been him. And I had picked a really cool theme for Vermin, like really cool. I'm still going to use it somewhere someday. Um, and he had picked that one, and I was like, all right, I'm wrong. That shit's perfect. <laughs> Dude, that song was so. I used to every time. I I loved I loved the tapings. Every time that song came, I'd hum it in the back the whole way. When you guys were testing out audio, it was so good. I don't think we were legally allowed to use it at all, like at all. <laughs> like, and I had to be strict with everybody else. I had to be like super harsh on everybody. Like, it's definitely a double standard because I had to be on top of people about their music. Like, that was one of my million jobs there, and uh, for some reason, we just kept using that one. And I even said, I was like, guys, we don't own that. And they're like, oh, well, it's from Japan and the copyright, whatever. So I'm glad we got to use it. All right, excellent. Nice. Last question. Yuma. Well, I'm good with that. I'm, d- I'm done then. Yeah, there's Yuma. Yuma, last question, one word answer. Your, your favorite Keanu Reeves movie, go. Speed. Excellent. That's a good choice. I agree with that. <laughs> Love Speed. All right, Yuma, we might, we might be doing a trilogy, brother. We'll hit yeah, you up about it, it and let you know. know but. Yeah. That's gonna uh, that's gonna do it, man, for this episode of the uh, the Hogs and Podcasts. Uh, you can listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go follow us on the social media at Hogsman Pod. Uh, go to hogsmanpod.com. Uh, also, July. Uh, I'm sorry, June sixth, BNS Brewery in Santee Level Up Pro will be sh- uh, doing a show. It will be a no, uh, no fans in attendance show. It'll be a Facebook Live or some kind of live on then social media. Uh, go ahead and check out Ten Barrel Brewing Pub Beer, cheap fun beer. Go hit them up. Devin, is, is that a, did I cover it? You got it, man. That's all of it. All right, and also go check out Promo Mania. Go check out Promo Mania. That's coming out this week. The Hogsmen are going to dominate. Ted, uh, make it quick. Anything else? Vote Hogs early and often. Promo Mania. Vote with cash. Ko-Fi.com. Check Hogsman Pod socials for all those great links. All right, excellent. Uh, hey, Dev, these cats keep thinking they're just going to get the tip. What are they going to actually take? They're going to take the whole hog, bro. The whole hog. I said it too. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Adios.